0: Welcome to the Rockonomics Podcast, episode number 58. I'm your host, Dill, and today we have the unique pleasure of talking with none other than late 80s teen sensation, Tiffany. Tiffany, for those of you as old as me, struck it big with her number one cover of I Think We're Alone Now, which occupied the Billboard Top 10 singles chart for two weeks in November of 87, alongside the likes of Springsteen, Madonna, and the king of pop himself, Michael Jackson. Her star gradually dimmed as the 90s tastes changed, But she never went away and kept busy writing, recording, touring, and appearing on TV. I met up with Tiffany as she headed down the final stretch of the mixtape tour with the new kids on the block, Salt-N-Pepa, Naughty by Nature, and Debbie Gibson, and our conversation about fame and fortune at such a young age, taking control of her career, and writing and recording her latest album, Pieces of Me, went a little something like this.
1: So, yeah, we're, we're going strong. So, and I uh, think, yes, literally, like the allergies or something. I never had allergies before. I lived in California, a California girl, and I just think it's so toxic there that you don't really, nothing penetrates. Right, right. Then I moved to wonderful Nashville, and I've been there for, gosh, nine years. And everybody kept saying, oh, welcome to Nashville. You'll have allergies. You'll have... And it didn't happen until about three years ago.
0: That's so funny. That's so funny that people actually tell you that that's going to happen.
1: Oh, that was going to happen. But when I started traveling again and flying all over the place, all of a sudden, I started having a hard time acclimating. So we had, what, weather the other day. It was raining. You're all gooey. And then you step in and it's like blasts of air and air conditioning. I'm like, this is the worst thing for me. (laughs) But it was so muggy, I can't tell people to be miserable you know my poor makeup artist she's trying to she's sweating and trying to put makeup on so I was like well I'll take the hit and be pretty but and sure enough it's attacked my throat I can sing but I just when I'm talking so I sound more husky than no that's good I think
0: people people like that (laughs) so
1: I'm doing a combination of whatever I can do today little lemon little Jim Beam a little this like a little bit of whatever will get it off the throat so It'll, the, it'll, it'll make it work. It's the uh, very, very, you know, rock and roll vibe in here on the bus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that very much. Well, in, in, in keeping with the podcast, you know, I do like to talk about um, money, for lack of a better description, but I don't want to be invasive. So anything okay. you want. But what I'm particularly interested in is I've talked to a lot of, you know, producers, uh, a lot of session guys. Right. I'm getting the same type of story of how they came through, but I think... You're, you're unique in that you started so young, right? So I guess right off the top, I'm thinking what what I'd like to know is when did money first come into your consciousness as a performer or as a profession, mm. you know, as a singer?
1: Um. Well, I mean, I think it's probably always been there in my subconscious because of you know my parents investing in my career, the lack of money. Um. You know, my mom made all my outfits, things like that. My dad had to work all the time. And putting together a budget to get gas money to take me to my shows and all of that. I was doing country music at the time. Right. So, I mean, I started at nine years old professionally. Um, So, yeah, I knew the music industry cost money. Um, You didn't always get a return. (laughs) It was for the love of it, you know. Um, I think it's a little harder sometimes, again, for, like, my parents or something, because I always get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, That connection with people, I'm living what my dream, I love to sing, I love the attention, and now, of course, I love to write music and share my music, but it's hard for people on the sidelines a little bit. Um, So I think that was, you know, a concern with my family, and then as I became famous, um, you know, I was I came from a layaway family um, that you know Zodis and Kmart and all right, that kind right, of stuff, right. um, but you know all of a sudden I had money, and I think it made an impression on me. But I didn't quite know what to do with it. Right. I bought a big house. I bought the Chuck Norris property. Um, when was Lennon that? Heist. Um, I was seventeen for my eighteenth oh birthday. Really? Yeah, I was able to rent out you know Universal Studios, the back lot, have a big old fabulous birthday party, invite all my you know celebrity friends. Um, I used money in that way, um, you know, and I was definitely interested in saving money. Um, I wanted to do, actually do a lot of different investments, like have a tour bus company. Um, I wanted to do real estate, and a lot of people at that time kept saying, no. No, just save your money. To, and I really yeah. wish I would have invested. Well, I was going to say real estate would have been Yes, <laughs> a I think they were a out. little wrong in that decision. And I still, now I'm starting to do more investments in real estate and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, I think everybody wanted to preserve so much. But I learned early on that, you know, what I do is, you know, radio and records and um, and your brand or being a celebrity is great. But it's touring really, that you make your income.
0: Right.
1: Um, in today's world, I think it's a little different. But in the 80s, it was primarily touring. And it still is really the base of my income. But, you know, we have other avenues now, like building a brand where you can get endorsement deals. Right. We didn't have right. that kind of stuff in the 80s. So you really can take it and make, you know, I mean, your Instagram can be popular and people come to you right. and pay you for things. So we're in a different time period now. I'm still learning all of that. Right, right. <laughs> you have to be a go-getter you really have to work your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I look at this as a business, but I'm very guarded of the music, you know, not to yeah. really ham it out or anything, especially the new music that I'm doing. Yes. It has to go to, you know, a certain, has to be dealt with a certain way. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's it's always been in the back of my mind money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been able to string it out a, a lot. But, you know, again, I've had a child and, had a life and I have went on vacations yeah. and I've <laughs> invested in my career time and time again and I think that's the biggest thing that you learn in the music industry is that you really always hope that you're going to do something and it's going to be profitable Yeah. Um, and you learn as a long term career there's ebbs and flows You know, there's times where you just get this immediate return and it's great and hold on to that and be smart about it um, and then you invest in certain things that was supposed to be amazing and it doesn't do as well. And you're like, well, I won't recruit that right off the bat. Um, you know, it it is a business and I think I've learned that man, I'm managing myself now. I have my own company, my partners and advisors, but I have to be the girl who's kind of in charge and say yes. And so I'm very aware of bottom lines and budgets now. Sometimes I wish I wasn't sure because it's not the fun stuff. It's the stuff you have to know. But, yeah, as an artist, sometimes I'm sitting doing paperwork and returning emails and working with my accountant or working with my other partners. And then I'm like, oh, I've got to go. I've got to go be Tiffany now, like right. the real fun stuff. So, you know, it's a fine line.
0: Right. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of that because I can see where you're handling everything now. And one of the things, and correct me if this is a misperception, but as a as a younger girl, as a 16th, 17 year old, and you talk about a brand. And I feel like they were successful in making you a brand. You know, as a teen,
1: right.
0: how much control did you have at the time? Or how much control were you even offered at the time? Like, were you were you in decision-making? Were you being taken seriously at the time?
1: Well, I don't think I was being taken seriously at the time. Um, not from the critics. You know, from the fans, Sure, of sure.
0: But what about, like, um, the record company? from the company? industry?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I really had any hands-on. I had a manager that was pretty overpowering. Um, and, and that's kind of probably been a good thing and long-term. Um, I didn't really make the connections that I would have loved to have made, you know, and have that personal contact with me. He was kind of like, you go through George, Um, which I think kind of, you know, hurt me in my my early 20s when I was leaving him and trying to seek other avenues because I didn't have those people to call Mm -hmm. or a lot of people didn't want to overstep and work with me directly with the whole George Chobin baggage. So um, I kind of had to learn that for a little while. And that was probably six, seven years of my life. And again, I went back to touring and what I know. Um, You know, I think now it's like, again, it's it's a whole different thing. I'm very much respected now, but it's taken me time. At that time, I don't know if I even knew enough to really be in charge. I knew about how to relate to my audience. I knew what songs were kind of cool and not. Um, and I knew fashion. I, like I was always saying, I need to up the stakes a little bit. You know, most of my age group is home playing in the mirror, testing music, you know, make, makeup on right, their face right. and going out and, you know, seeing how the boys like it or their friends or what their parents are saying. I didn't have that luxury. I was like, you know, exposed. So right. I didn't get to really grow like a normal person like that. Yes. Everything was kind of exposed, and money was part of that as well. You know, my money choices, what I bought, was all out there, um, and I always had people saying, "Save. You never know. Just save." And so I've stuck with that.
0: Who was saying that?
1: Um, my aunties, and probably more business people in my family. Um, you know, my ex- you know immediate family didn't really know a lot about, you know, having excessive money. Right. I mean, they just didn't. They weren't business people, um, loving people, and wonderful people, but it was a lot for my family. But I had, you know, other people in the family, extended family, that were more, you know, business owners and uh, accountants and uh, lawyers. And they were always, this is great. Just keep a little bit to the side. And I, and I was lucky that I was able to do that, That's great. you know, definitely and keep turning it over a little bit. But I mean, no, there's been periods of my life where we've went, had to go very lean. You know, I've never been homeless. I've never been on the street. So, I, you know, I'm very lucky, um, you know, and I've never had to like, you know, refi my, I won't, I believe in a no debt policy. Right, right. So everything yeah. I do now is no debt. Um, I don't, if I want to do a musical adventure, I work my, you know, tail off to like make it happen and fund it myself and that's it. We don't have any debt. So I think that's where artists kind of get into trouble because yeah. it's one thing to like go, oh, you know, I borrowed money or I refined my house on this or I got an investor, which I think is sometimes the worst thing you can get because yeah. usually they're not music business people, so they don't even understand the process. Um, but, you know, it's it's that whole feeling of owing someone. Um, And for me, you know, i rather go into music feeling like I owe myself a good album. And I, you know, owe it to my fans to be happy and present when I'm working it, not worried about financialist, you know, problems. So I really kind of did that. I started doing that probably about 15 years ago. Uh, It's worked for me.
0: Now, you speak about the ebb and flow about the business, which I think is funny because to me the business is still, the blueprint is still being worked out. Yes. Like, I look at Mick Jagger's, you know, the Beatles and the Stones, I mean, aside from Elvis and, the, you know, Little Richard, it's like the pioneers of rock are still doing it. Right. So, I feel like it's still yes. learning. So, it's interesting that whole admin flow that, you know, I think more people now know if they have success now, it's like, well, there could be a dip then there could be, you know, people get older, they get a little bit more, money, more money, they get nostalgia, right. you can come back. But, that said, I'm, I'm looking at your, what I'm assuming is your first dip, but you had a four record deal with... MCA was that right? Right. So at the conclusion of that, um, times are changing. We're into I think we're into the nineties, early nineties. Where's your Where's your head at? Where's your head at? And like, what your next five years are going to be, or just what the future is going to be.
1: Oh, um well, I mean, by that time, I was off the label from MCA, and I didn't have a manager at the time. I had done a third album called New Inside, which, you know, was successful for me as an experience working with other people. Um, I was working out of New York. I think I grew a lot as an artist. But, I mean, it was total epic fail. I mean, it didn't hardly sell anything. They didn't know how to promote it. I looked different. I had black hair and bustiers, and they were like, oh, my goodness, what happened to the girl next door? But, I mean, I think that may have not been the right way to do it. But at the same time, you know, the label was dragging their feet of how to go from a little girl to now an adult woman. There was no pattern for yeah. that. Um, would you I
0: have meetings? Were you, were they, I would were there have meetings, and they meetings, would so like be how, how horrified, How do we, how do yes. we market this girl? Well, I
1: would come in with my bustier on all black, of course, and on my long black hair, curly black hair. Then they'd be like where's Tiffany. That's first of all. (laughs) And, um, you know, and I would try to explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, at that time there was grunge was coming in. There was a turn in music and pop music was really urban and I didn't have a home in urban music. Um, so, you know, I hadn't really established myself as like the, entertainer as far as a dancer, Paula Abdul, Madonna, none of that, because I'm more of a live performer. I'm a singer. I love live musicians on the stage. And I always wanted to do more rock based, you know, gritty, earthy, you know, what I perceive as live music. Um, So that was kind of always the goal to get back there. And, you know, yet I'm faced with it's, you got to be blinged out and videos and sexy and all that. So I kind of went in that direction. I thought, well, it supports the image supports the album. And I loved being in New York and I loved being with different stylists. So I went for it. Um, You know, was that the right move? I don't know. I spent $100,000 on clothes that year. I can tell you that much. And that was probably a little too much. I spent $400,000 on an album, which was definitely too much. So, you know, before I knew it, by the the time I was in the 90s, like 91, I was probably a million dollars in debt. You know, as far as I had it, it came out of my bank. You know, I didn't know anything, but I certainly, again, wasn't getting any return from it. And, you know, then I found out I was pregnant. So life has a way, again, of going, great. (laughs) So, you know, I took it down a notch. I sold my home and I rented a house, moved to the Valley, um, and didn't really pursue music because I think I was a little intimidated, especially being a new mom. Um, You know, I I knew I wanted to stay in music. Mm -hmm. But the, again, investment, do I do another album? Probably not at this time. And that's when I really started with my songwriting and thought okay well what else do I have what what can I be doing here I'm growing as a person obviously I'm a new mom um, but I'm home and yes. I'm loving being home um, I'm loving gardening and watching you know at that time it was I think uh, you know Barney the dinosaur or whatever <laughs> um, you know Ooh. and like oh, yeah it was amazing Bye. and I had the best time with my son when he was young I mean I, I really <laughs> cherish those years because they go so fast now looking back but even then I knew that and I, I really just started to write music.
0: Did you ever consider, I'm out?
1: Oh, many times. I've actually had two jobs, and people don't know. Um, one was just because I was bored to death when I first moved to Nashville. And I, you know, my son went to school, and my husband was working. And I was like, okay, well, I can plug into the community like Tiffany, but the expectation of that is going to be so high I was, again, a new songwriter, just finding my feet, and um, I really didn't want to do the whole pressure Tiffany thing, but I was bored to death. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any friends there. My only friends were in the music industry, which come with all the questions and all the obligations and all the, and like I knew I would start to flap around and obligate myself to things I probably wasn't ready for. And at the same time, I was like, okay, well, I've cleaned the house so many times. i am worked out. I'm very skinny. (laughs) I think I need a sandwich at this point. Um, You know, and I looked across and there was Pier 1. And I love Pier 1. And I thought, I wonder if I could even get a job. I mean, if all fell around me, if Mm -hmm. all was like to fall down, could I get a job? So I walked in there and used my, you know, my middle name didn't hide it. And they hired me. And I, at first it was just a kick. I was like, why oh, I got a job. What am I getting? I'm not even <laughs> going to go, but I got a job. And then I thought, well, there's really nothing stopping me. It's, I was unloading trucks in the morning and I thought there's nothing stopping me. I drop off Elijah on school. I should just go and check it out for a day. And what I found was a bunch of wonderful girls yeah, yeah. that right away I knew that could be my friends. So I thought, well, I'll just keep going with it until somebody finds out or I have to quit. And that actually led, I think I worked there six months. And I actually got caught, really, um, when it was my manager who was leaving and my assistant manager, Junco, was going up the ranks. And she was asking me to be assistant manager, which was great. Um, and, you know, I, I think because I've had discipline in being an artist and your career and your love and your, you know, if you want it, you kind of show up and you shine and you do what's asked of you. Right. So rules, you know, working for a company were easy. You know, it was like show up on time this take it serious. And, but, but yet I got to walk away at the end of the night. Boom, done. You know, whereas Tiffany is an ongoing process. So and, and she said, you know, she was going back to Junko was going back to Japan before she took on this, you know, role. And she showed pictures to her sister of all the girls that she was working with. And her sister said, hold on, that is Tiffany. (laughs) And she was like, no, her name's Renee, but she has been to Japan. And because I never lied, you know, I just didn't elaborate. I think she thought my family had money or something. So uh, I came, she came back to work and she was like, can I ask you a question? Are you Tiffany? I was like, yes. And I have to quit now. (laughs) It's well, been that, so much fun.
0: Pre-internet, right or not, or pre-social Pre, media. Pre, yes,
1: pre-social yeah. media. So, but you know what it did for me was, you know, hey, just teach me that I'm functional. First yeah. of all, that yeah. I can go out there. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, well, that's because you were broke." No, I, my husband was supporting me. I, my my needs were minimal. I wasn't really pursuing, you know, big touring at that time. And we were fine, but I was bored to death, and it really was wanting friends, you know, outside of the music industry, you don't get to find that unless you have a small child in school or, and there's only so many field trips. Elijah would let me go on. Even as a kid, he was like, mom, not, not this one, please stay home. (laughs) I mean, you know, people don't realize like celebrities have those regular problems, you know, with their family or with feeling like, you know, could I function as a normal person? Um, you know, a lot of celebrities never have that, where they have to take another job. But for me, it was a growth spurt. Yeah. It really was a challenge for me and to see if I could even hang in the real world and what I had to offer. I mean, mine was the, the funniest thing, because we had a lot of celebrities coming into the store. And I and I, I would be in the back, so I would unload the trucks. I had to be there at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning. I was done by, like, 12 or something. Right. Um, you know, so I never... But once they started to say, hey... You know, we want to put you on the cashier, and and then if we had people to come in, in in the store and be celebrities, and I would be running in the back, and all the girls would be running to the front <laughs> to see like, and they'd be like, "You don't like such a," I'd be like, "No, I do." But and I was thinking, I can't see these people. I do shows with these people. Like, no way, you know, because they're gonna think, "Why are you working here?" That's weird. Like to other people, that would be the bottom has fell down, fall, <laughs> fallen out. You know, but for me, it was sincerely i was a young mom and i wanted friends and i wanted friends who weren't going to ask me where do you see yourself in five years you know and it's funny i'm still friends with all those girls so that's great i mean (laughs) that's so i accomplished that
0: it's it's good to hear (laughs)
1: well
0: listen in the interest of time i'm i've got my eye on the clock i wanted to touch upon your new album yes um is this a self-finance is this all diy this this is all me yes okay um and i have to compliment you on it's a, thank you. quite a wonderful moment I album. appreciate I mean, that. You know, thank you uh, I, I have to admit, I, I don't click on you when I go to Spotify right away right. but in move this <laughs> article I, uh, I went there and I was like, holy shit
1: well thank it's you, it's really
0: great I appreciate really it, great. I mean I,
1: that's the response I want from more people, <laughs> I mean I, we're just going to pound the pavement until, you know people get the message, where we go from here like, you know, I've been such great exposure with the Next Tape Tour um, great memories great vibe to be around just to kind of get your fire going, Mm -hmm. you know, as an artist. So this experience has been amazing for me. But yeah, now I go off. I go on my own. I don't have a bus. (laughs) I have a van and some back back, line and and some trailers. (laughs) You know, I do have help. I'm not like, you know, just a rolling gypsy, but it's not as glamorous and that's going to be hard. I'm going to miss this bus. I will tell you that much. You know, it does suck to like truthfully feel like you can't just sustain this, right, you know? Right. I'm sure all of us are feeling that, you know? But um, you know, there's a magic into what I'm doing as well. grassrootsing it and building it and traveling all over which, I mean, for me, I'm successful right now in my own head because I'm on planes again. Mm-hmm. I didn't fly for 10 years. So I really am starting at a disadvantage. Reintroducing myself even to my original fan base. They haven't seen me in parts of the world in over 10 years and begging me to come. Now they're getting, you know, the new music and they're loving it. Of course, we always do the old school stuff. But I'm building my brand, like you said. And it's a it's an investment time.
0: Now I'm curious, do you have an audience or a venue that you can go and play not play the hits?
1: I wouldn't do that. I just I wouldn't do it.
0: Not even, like I'm thinking like when you're in Nashville, a small room or a workshop or anything just I mean
1: yes I've done showcases where it's just pieces of me or my new material but somehow be- before the end of the night somebody's always asking <laughs> for a little I think we're alone now right um, so we may not do the whole song but we'll reminisce a bit I don't take that in offense or anything and my guys are ready to play it in a heartbeat um, you know now I've done it more rock and I love the new version it's everything I've ever wanted I loved you know I think we're now alone well, now the original recording uh, even though I didn't want to record it, because I thought it was so dance. But now what I'm doing with it um, is really exciting. I just think it's got some grit and some earth, and, and it complements my music. So it's all one package now to me. Okay. There's no more, you know, now I'm going to do... Because that was getting a little schizophrenic. You know, now I'm going to do retro, and now I'm going to do new... And it was all jumbled up in my set. Sure. So I've that. kind of wor- reworked the old stuff, which... They're good songs, and when you have a good song, you can take them in a million different directions, and they will still last the test of time. Um, and I'm very lucky to have that. So I'm just bringing the new stuff, the old stuff, into the new light.
0: And you are I got a quote that you said, I'm in total control of my music now. Yes. You got the people around you that were on the same page. Was that hard to find? Was it hard yes. to find <laughs> your
1: band and gypsies? It's been like... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was days that I just didn't even think I would find these people. You know, I mean, cause I was, I was growing as an artist, um, and, and knowing my vision and knowing really what I want to do in my heart, but finding people who say yes, and then get me in the studio. And then before you know it, they're giving me pop songs and I'm like, okay. And I'm the kind of person that will try it cause you never know, but can I get more guitars on that Can I? And then I could see their reluctance to really embrace my new vision. Because mm-hmm. um, they were like, "Hey, you're a pop, and this will be a no-brainer, and we'll just release this and make a bunch of money." And I was like, "Yeah, well, that's possible, but that's not what I want to do." So I know I'm going to be the crazy person in the room, but for the integrity of my life and for my music, I'm not doing the easy. I'm not doing the easy go-around. I'm going to wait it out. So when now that I have found Mark Alvarici, my new producer, and my band, and um, all the other people that make Tiff World happen. It's been a, you know, it really has been a process of people coming to the plate. And then now I'm I'm very guarded at keeping them together. Because, you know, that's why I'm doing another album right away. To keep the sound. I, You know, I've tapped into a sound. But I think we need another album to really solidify that. And to have a foundation.
0: Okay, you recorded piece of Me while on the road. Right. In L.A., I guess Nashville, London. Are you doing the same thing I'm now? I'm doing
1: the same thing okay. now. I turn around and after... This tour ends in four days. After that, I'm on a plane to the UK. I go to Rockfields again, which I love. And the different process is is it's a little more expensive. Where we do the residency, we stay on the property. It's an old school process. But everybody that I've loved Led, Led Zeppelin, you know, Emmylou Harris, you know, Fleetwood Mac, on and on and on. This is what these bands have always yeah. done. And there's something about being saturated in the music. So you know it's a more expensive process because you do housing, you do all that. No one's in their beds at night, like if I was to record in Nashville. But the magic that happens—I was
0: going to say—that seems like it, it, just, yeah. it's just yeah—it's conducive to adding chemistry. Where it is living together, working together. You know,
1: refining the music, thinking about it. No one's worried about going home. You know, or picking up their kids from school, or and then that's what you really get a lot of times. People are to the studio but they have other agendas they have a life you know so as it's getting later they're texting people this way they're in lockdown mode is what i say we're all in lockdown mode and there's nothing else to do but be who we are musicians there's no distractions and that comes natural once you get us out of daily life a lot of times um you know to really write a good album i do think that you have to shut off the real world And be present in the music. So I'm addicted to this process now, now that I've had it. I knew I always wanted to do that. And I have to thank Mark again for listening to it and going, oh, well, I've wanted to, I've done albums like that. That's what you want to do. I can do that. And I was like, somebody of like mine. Oh my God. Thank you. Um, So that's, we're just full steam ahead. Keep going. I'm just going to keep doing music and touring. I've got a lot of other stuff. I do, you know, I'm working on building my brand. So cookbooks other things that are all things TIFF World, a lot more in my merch, investment in that, um, because I have a lot of women yes. who are back in my world now, <laughs> so they love fashion and clothes and cooking and, and just knowing about me as a person.
0: Have you ever used I know you've done uh, movies like sci-fi, the sci-fi movies, you've done cameos and stuff like that. I, are you do you see that as are you, are you kind of, well, I don't want to make it sound brood, but is it, are there Go times ahead. where it's, time <laughs> this where is the music industry, <laughs> but is there times where that's a money grab and you can use that money to do the things you're more passionate
1: well, about? Well, it's an exposure thing, more yeah. than anything. Yes, of course, it's a great wages to make a little money here and there, but I don't think you're going to make it big, you know, with a little trickle, it depends on where you're at. I mean, there's definitely some of my friends that are working it hard, they can ask you know, oodle amounts to just say hello on a video, but I'm not in that situation. So for me, it's an exposure thing. The more that I can have my presence, people know that I'm, you know, here, this has been great. The mixtape tour. Um, you know, that's what I need Mm -hmm. so that people will go, Oh, she's live and she's breathing and she is actually good. I want to go to her show. I want to click on her Instagram. I want to, so I'm actually doing a thing called tea thoughts right now, which is more, um, you know, I'm not really somebody who's really embraced a lot of the social media. I mm-hmm. have, but not maybe always doing videos behind it. So now is the time for me to do that, especially with the album. I'm doing the documentary, all uh, the making behind the scenes, it's things that, uh, what, not, the you know, album you're recording? the album now. I'm recording now. Oh, that'd be great. And then Tea Thoughts is really going to be random stories of me talking about my life like we're doing now. It could be a money thing. It could be the album it could be a personal issue it could be i'm feeling lonely guys today it could be you know whatever it is i just want to have more of that connection with the fans and i think that that is really the most important thing and then have the back end a great live performance and the music that sustains so that's kind of the plan when tiff world right now you know that
0: sounds great Can I have two more minutes? I have have final five. The same questions everybody gets are kind of for this. First question is and apologize for LA residents because this hits close to home, but if your house is on fire, your loved ones are safe, what do you go back in and get that has the most sentimental value that's part of your music career?
1: It's part of my music career. Well, for me, I would be grabbing all my videotapes and things like that. I still have all my VHS okay. <laughs> stuff. They've been put on CDs now. But, I mean, just my memorabilia, you know, that kind of stuff for me. Those are my memories. Pictures of me with Michael Jackson and Stevie Nicks. Yeah, I've got to have those. But I've, I've I've, now put them... I have people that hold a lot yeah, of yeah. this stuff. So I'm not in that and I have multiple copies, just in case. We don't want to
0: f- see you on Storage Wars. No, days. I don't.
1: I'm Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, question number two is: uh, If I were at liberty to give you a million dollars to give to one charity of your choice, which one charity would you give it would to?
1: Would be Sh- Saint Jude. Saint Jude. Yeah, definitely. Of the, the, the yes. Thomas Hospital. Because I do. I've. I mean, I've worked with so many. My family has been affected with cancer, um, but that is definitely children. And you know, it, there's. I've definitely worked for them and helped raise money in different charities for them. Um, But, you know, there is something golden about not having to worry about the financial aspect when you're fighting for your life. And especially as a parent, you know, you're so vulnerable. You don't know what's going on. You think the whole thing is wrong, that the diagnosis is not that, and you've got your child's life in your hands. You couldn't be more vulnerable. Truthfully, as a parent, you wish it was yourself. So to think about financial burden or how you're going to get there or how you're going to stay there, that's all off the table, and I commend them for that.
0: Great, great. Is that the same thing as Danny Thomas? That's the and Danny Thomas the
1: Marlo Thomas, okay. and Marlo okay. Thomas yes. Yeah, great, mm-hmm.
0: perfect. Uh, question three is, what would your walk-up music be to the Pearly Gates?
1: Walk-up music to my Pearly Gates. Um, oh, goodness, that's a good one, right? Um, oh, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> you know... Um, I, I, Me, being the melancholy, I want to do something like, you know, Landslide or something, some beautiful song. Um, but, you know, I would be thrilled to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so probably walking on sunshine okay. would be more like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. On the, the reverse of that, what's stuck on repeat in hell?
1: Oh, um... Stuck on repeat in hell. Um... Well, geez, I don't know. It would definitely be something dark, um, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, could you have comfort there? <laughs> uh, maybe that I would be what, what la- what maybe would, that would be landslide because something didn't go right. <laughs> I was
0: going to say what, maybe the question. I, I guess I'm always positioning it is what what would make it hell. To have to hear the song over, oh, and over the over same and over song over yeah.
1: and over. Oh, I don't want to dog anybody out. But um, <laughs> right now, I would think for me, as as just being an auntie. And now again, being around all these ladies with kids and stuff, so we've had a lot of kid conversations lately. Um, baby Shark would be the song that I would not want to hear over and over, and have heard a lot through this tour.
0: <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to go Barney, but that's you
1: know, just no. Baby Shark, 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 because it's never ending. It's, it can be Baby Shark and Baby's friend and Baby's you know cousin, and I've, yeah, it gets involved in the whole family there. All right.
0: Uh, final question is, uh, what's the best concert you've ever witnessed as a fan yourself?
1: Oh, the best concert I've ever witnessed is probably Bruce Springsteen. When, when um, and where? Oh, it was probably 87, 88. Um, where? It was on the East Coast. I don't remember exactly where. But I was taking a flight, so I had to leave actually early. And he was going on three oh, hours. Place for yeah And playing, <laughs> and playing. And just, you know, again... I didn't realize that I was a Bruce Springsteen fan. I became a Bruce Springsteen fan that night. I went because of my manager. And, of course, I like Bruce Springsteen. But, you know, I didn't get a chance to meet him, which is a bummer. Um, And that's actually somebody that I would love to work with. Um, But, you know, truthfully, I spent a lot of time listening to Bruce Springsteen as a writer because there's something about his songs, him and John Mellencamp, that talk about the average man, yeah, yeah. the working guy, you know, which is really the working woman as well, you know, um, and the day-to-day life, and the hustle, and the letdowns, and the breakups, and the, you know, all of that. And I think they represent that and and speak so clearly about that right. feeling,
0: and everyone can identify right that,
1: now. and through their music. And it's a very hard thing to do actually to write fluidly about. That really, and to make it a message, and a, you know, and, and make sense, and, and to really make it a good song. Yeah, I mean, you can write something that's just a run-on sentence, and it's like an album cut, but to make a hit out of something like that takes the talent. Yeah,
0: for sure. So
1: I surround myself constantly with these writers um, and ma- amazing artists, of course, but you know, writers. Because it definitely is, even for me, I want to branch out with just, you know, writing about love or writing about heartbreak. It's pretty not easy. You just have to be vulnerable. But to write a band, again, a day-to-day going to my job, I just got fired. You know, now I'm going home to a crappy apartment my wife left me, to make it not country <laughs> and right. to make it cool <laughs> and make it an anthem and successful, you know, takes a lot. It's It's a talent. So I really do listen to all these different writers. I was just listening to Frank Zappa, actually, and he was saying the same thing. You know, he never wanted to write lyrics to his music. He was a musician. So if he was going to write lyrics, he was going to write something that applied to him. But he wrote crazy stuff. Yep, I mean, that, that we... <laughs> totally do, wouldn't relate to, but yet he made it relatable in a different way. And again, that as an artist is a craft that I, I hope to tap, tap into and be better as an artist and as a lyricist and as a songwriter to tell these stories because that's what I do. I'm around all these people all day long listening to their stories and their life, and I'm a storyteller. So I definitely would like to branch out with my music and get more creative and more... Um, I guess dig deeper mm-hmm. a little bit that's kind of next on the horizon is the
0: new material coming to you f- easier or to your point are you are you finding yourself it maybe be easy and you don't want it to be easy you gotta dig
1: um, well this album is a little designed a little differently I think I have did a million miles and that was showing myself as a vocalist and a songwriter this album Pieces of Me um, definitely tapped into more of the rock more of what I was going through, so the you know the album that I'm working on now is going to be a little more tailor made for this experience, a little bit more easier for people to probably just digest. So not pop by any means, but um, maybe a little more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And you know I've had some great fun in the last six months, so that's kind of where I'm at. Right. I've kind of come through the muck, you know, in a way and the healing of people passing in my life and getting a divorce and all these things. And I'm, I've had time to digest them a little bit more. So I'm coming into the beauty now. And, and I think that's great because I want to express that with my fans. And I think that, you know, that's what we kind of did here. You know, and we're all kind of going through seasons in our life where it's not great and then we come out of that cloud, yeah. hopefully. Um, and, you know, we want to talk about that hey, I'm finding the new me. Hey, I'm putting new things on myself. Hey, I'm doing things I never thought I would do and what that feels like. So that's going to be some of the reflective on this album. All right. Looking forward thank to you. it. Thank you. Well, Tiffany, <laughs> thanks, thanks for taking this time. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for hanging <laughs> on, on my bus. I appreciate <laughs> it. Have a great <laughs> show time. Thanks. Take
0: care. All right. Thank you, Tiffany. I'm so glad that talk came to be. I knew she'd have a perspective on the business like few others, given her early success. So I appreciate her sharing it with us all. And my comments on her new album wasn't just lip service. Give it a listen, form your own opinion. It's called Pieces of Me, and to me, it's uh, it sounds like it sounds like Tiffany fronting a band like Daughtry. It's very melodic, but it's got that rock edge for sure. So give it a listen. The first track is really, really good. You know, so invest three minutes and like 58 seconds of your time and uh, take it from there. Okay, next week we'll be back with a a one-of-a-kind episode featuring three drummers from one of this summer's hottest tour lineups. So follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay on top of that. All right, episode 58 is being filed away as over and done. Until next time, good night, Cleveland.